Welcome to the Future of Medicine podcast, where we believe that feeling great and living a long time is possible and that your healthcare should help you get there. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Wenzel. My hope is simple, that this show will help you along your journey to becoming the healthiest, strongest, and most powerful version of you possible. Now, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody. We're really excited about this next episode. We're going to be talking about thyroid um, in women and why subclinical hypothyroidism is a big, big deal and cannot be overlooked any longer. Um, And giving you the exact steps and things to look for if you identify with some of these symptoms so that you can end suffering now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Future of Medicine podcast. I'm joined by the amazingly talented Jen Justice. We're going to be talking about thyroid in women today. Are you excited about that, Jen? I'm so excited. I love this topic, <laughs> especially for women. It's it's just so important. It's one of the most misunderstood and mismanaged hormones, and mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to dive in. Yeah, no, it's good. And it's um, it's not that it's not important for men, but it's... Right. Far more important for women. Um, thyroid disease exists, depending on the data you're looking at, eight, nine, ten times to one mm-hmm. men versus women. So most women in their life will need to look at or dig into thyroid, um, uh, their thyroid, uh, and to see if it's at play with whatever they may or may not be uh, experiencing. Um, today's episode really is about an overview of a very, as you stated, mismanaged and misunderstood um, hormone called the thyroid. Right. Uh, to be fair, it's incredibly complex. It's it's some of the most confusing biochemistry, and there are a lot of really smart people who go sideways. Um, and just can't seem to find their way back to understanding it. Yeah. And while I have empathy and I understand that, it, it's not an excuse um, there are a lot of people suffering because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, my hope today is simply that you and I would be able to chat about something that we're very familiar with, we're very comfortable with, in a way that women could take our conversation and then go back to their physician and be able to feel like they have an understanding of where they want to go with this conversation. And right. um, I'd love to give them the tools to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, so how would, if, if you were just walking down the street and somebody said, I wonder if thyroid's in the, involved in the way I feel, mm-hmm. what would you, what would you say are the primary things that, that the thyroid involved is involved in with women? Oh, wow. There's so many, um, the thyroid is such an important hormone in women because it touches or is involved in nearly every body system. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's very complex. It's it's uh, very um, hard to understand for uh, the layperson. But hopefully today we can break that down into normal language so you can understand it. But uh, primary functions of thyroid is thermoregulation. For one thing, it's a metabolic hormone. So what is that in English? What's thermoregulation? It uh, regulates your body temperature. Uh-huh. Yes. And, uh, you know, when I meet 
patients for the first time, and I'm sure you experience this as well, and you shake their hand and they're ice cold, mm-hmm. immediately I go to, we need to check your thyroid. Or it's 78 degrees and they're wearing a coat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they're layered up and it's summertime. It's like, I'm cold all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that could be your thyroid at play. Um, it is an extremely important hormone in metabolism. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when we uh, speak with our patients about weight loss and they're frustrated because they're doing everything right with their diet, their diet's on point, they're working out, um, and they're just not seeing that scale move in the right direction, we need to look at their thyroid to see if that yes. is something that needs tuned up. Yes. Um, stabilizes mood. It helps regulate your menstrual cycle um, and really is a great hormone for energy. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a lot quite of, a broad brush of symptoms. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But, uh, you know, common complaints that we hear a lot um, yeah. in, our, in our female patients and men, male patients. But Yeah, but it's almost to that, like, broken record mm-hmm. kind of, like, point. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. With, with women that we deal with? It's yes. almost, I won't say universal because that's like not true, mm-hmm. but it's the majority yeah. of women either are currently considering, debating, thinking about thyroid in their own life because mm-hmm. it resonates with them or they have done it in the past and told they were normal, right. but yet still have the symptoms. It, it's... It's so common. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really excited about this episode because I think it'll be really valuable. Um, at the risk of going a little technical. Right. Um, I'm going to. I don't think people need to be biochemistry majors, and I don't think they need to fully be equipped with a deep knowledge of physiology. Right. However... Um, this science that I'm about to walk through, I think is really critical, at least at a high level to understand at least directionally. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it paints the picture for why a woman may have gotten her thyroid levels checked and be told they're normal, but she still Mm -hmm. feels horrible. Yeah. It's all the backstory to what we're going to recommend and suggest later in the show. Right. And even if it's just a a glance at it, or if you want to study it and memorize it, that's Mm -hmm. cool too. But I think it's important to kind of walk through this. Um, So here we go. The the thyroid is a gland that is in your neck. Right. It produces the thyroid hormone. Um. Endocrine systems, so all organs in the endocrine system, endocrine organs are organs that create hormones, are all under the influence of pathways that lead to and from the brain. And there are, uh, for lack of a better phrase, um, feedback loops Mm -hmm. where you either have a stimulatory effect or an inhibitory effect based on what happens. And so I like to think of the endocrine system as brakes and gas pedals. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And it not as opposed to an on and off. My first understanding of this, I was more like it turns it on, it turns it off. Mm-hmm. But it, it's more like a dimmer switch um, where you're constantly being um, in a state of ramping up or suppressing based on what your body needs. So the thyroid, 
gland is under the direct influence of a hormone produced in the pituitary gland called thyroid-stimulating hormone, mm-hmm. also known as TSH. So it really starts in the brain. Doesn't it all just start in the brain, Jen? <laughs> it does. That's another episode. <laughs> um, as an aside, that it's, it's funny. People are always like, Dr. Wenzel, isn't it all in your, in your head? <laughs> I'm like... Literally. Yeah. <laughs> isn't it all just in her head? Anyway, back to the thyroid. Um, so thyroid-stimulating hormone from the pituitary gland is where the the biochemistry starts. Mm-hmm. Thyroid-stimulating hormone is released from the pituitary gland, travels to the thyroid gland, and based on the amount of thyroid-stimulating hormone, your thyroid is stimulated to produce thyroid hormone. Right. The thyroid hormone that is produced from the thyroid gland then goes in the bloodstream systemically, does all of the magical things that thyroid does, eventually circles back to the brain into the pituitary gland where the brain senses the level of thyroid hormone and then either increases or decreases the amount of thyroid-stimulating hormone Mm -hmm. to then go back. So that's the loop. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think that's too complex for people to understand, but it does get twisted and confusing when you have brakes, which cause gas pedals and the gas pedals cause like that's where it gets really tricky for people. If your thyroid hormone that is circulating in your bloodstream is low, your brain senses that and increases your TSH. Mm Mm-hmm. So clinically, when we start screening for thyroid disease, if we start to see a rise in TSH, that means your body is creating more stimulating hormone in efforts to hit the, the thyroid gland to produce more thyroid hormone. It's an indicator of what I would call um, efficiency. Mm-hmm. So there's a massive spectrum of normal, and anybody who's listened to more than two minutes of one show here knows how I feel about the word normal. Um, normal is just the average of sick people. Right. But nonetheless, it, these are the values that most medical providers are looking at. And as long as you're in the normal range, it can't be the thing they're looking at. But these spectrums are vast. And if anybody's paying attention, you can see trends. You can see as the inefficiency of your thyroid gland to produce thyroid hormone begins to increase, we will begin to see a rise in TSH. No different than if you begin to lose your way with your dietary focus and your activity level, you will begin to see a rise in your scale. Um, There is a spectrum of normal in weights, Mm -hmm. uh, but you don't wake up one day 300 pounds. Right. Nobody. I mean, this is a process. Correct. Um, so as thyroid hormone inefficiency begins to ramp up, we begin to see that in the blood in the form of a rise in TSH. Mm-hmm. Um, as thyroid hormone begins to either become optimized through supplementation or you just have a really efficient thyroid hormone, um, you will see a suppressive effect on TSH. We will begin to see a downward trend in TSH. So it's, 
It's opposite of mm-hmm. what your gut would tell you. Right. TSH is inversely related to the efficiency of your thyroid function overall. Again, I don't think that's overly confusing, but it does need to be marched out mm-hmm. because um, it, it's not overly obvious. Um, the challenge becomes, and this is where we, the first break in the like, the pathway of why is this so confusing, is the fact that we use a screening tool to screen for thyroid disease that involves only a TSH. Which is a problem. Yeah. Because the only thing that's going to pick up is people who have a TSH that's higher than the upper limits of normal, which would indicate you have overt thyroid disease. Mm -hmm. I promise that person has been having symptoms for a long, long time, and nobody pays attention to that until the TSH gets too high. Right. Problem number two is if you have a high TSH, the next test that somebody gets is called a free T4. Now I need to go back to my biochemistry and, and the graph and the complexity. The thyroid hormone that is produced by the thyroid gland comes in two forms, T4 and T3. Mm-hmm. And they are produced at a ratio approximately 90% to 10%. So for every 10 molecules of thyroid hormone that are produced, nine of them are T4 and one of them is T3. T4 is inactive. Mm-hmm. It is protein bound. It floats around the bloodstream and does nothing. T3 is active form of thyroid. So all of the stuff that we were talking about in the intro when it comes to thyroid and all the goodness of it all, it's 100% done by T3. But you only make 10% of your thyroid hormone in that form. So Mm -hmm. where does the rest of it come from? It comes from the conversion of T4 to T3 in the periphery. And we'll get into some of the flaws of assuming that your body just converts what it needs. Mm -hmm. But... We check T4 levels if someone's TSH screen is abnormally high. So the T4 is not something that's normally tested. T4, sometimes people will, f- will do a screening test that involves a TSH and a free T4. Mm-hmm. But the way I was trained was when you're screening for thyroid disease, you get one test. A TSH. Wow. And if the TSH is anywhere in the normal range, this person doesn't have thyroid dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Which at first pass is like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Until you dig into it, well, then why are all these people with symptoms being overlooked? Mm-hmm. It's not telling the whole story. It is not telling the whole mm-hmm. story. It's a false sense of security. Yeah. And this so begins the mismanagement. But it's rooted in a misunderstanding in the physiology and the biochemistry and a lot of providers forgetting basic biochemistry. Mm -hmm. When we understand what TSH is and why it would either rise or fall, we can then begin to understand where this thing really goes the wrong way. Mm -hmm. TSH is under the direct influence of your T4 levels which is the inactive form of thyroid. Mm -hmm. This is exactly why a woman could go into and say, Hey doc, I have, I'm like a thyroid disease commercial. I feel every symptom, fatigue, cold intolerance. I'm a little blue all the time. My periods are abnormal. My hair is really thin and dry. I, 
Um, okay, well, let's check your levels. Mm-hmm. TSH, you might get a free T4 put in there. And they're totally normal. And they say, it's not your thyroid disease. And it's like, yeah, but I feel like it probably is. How could my levels be normal? I read somewhere, or I heard a podcast where this guy, Dr. Wenzel, said, we should be checking my free T3. Oh, no, we don't do that. It's a complete dead end. And I'll save the why that is mm-hmm. for either later in this episode or a future episode, but uh, because I can get a little ranty. You're going to go on a rant. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to set this thing up, why it's such a problem. Mm-hmm. And it's all rooted in this misunderstanding of physiology. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, if you happen to have a, an abnormal thyroid, so if you have an abnormal TSH and they check your T4 and it's abnormal, you get diagnosed with hypothyroidism. Guess what form of thyroid you get put on? Synthetic. T4. Right. Also known as Synthroid. Mm-hmm. Still not addressing the thing that makes you feel thyroid in the first place, which is T3. So if you're ineffective at converting T4 to T3, for a, it's another episode, but for a various number of reasons, giving you more T4 isn't going to help. Right. This is why people who have overt thyroid disease can get their numbers normalized and still feel terrible. This is why a a woman who has never been diagnosed with thyroid disease because their numbers are still in the normal range can still be exhibiting every symptom of hypothyroidism, but not being treated. We call that subclinical hypothyroidism. It's rampant. Mm -hmm. It's rampant. Yeah. Um, So that's the root in the origin. Um, And it's... There really isn't a solution in sight continuing to doing doing what you're doing Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about at the end of this episode what women should be doing if they're identifying with these things kind of some action steps which i think is really like what's the point unless we know what to do with it right we're not just going to give information for ranting sake um why don't you so if if we're talking about we identify a woman who is exhibiting symptoms of hypothyroidism Mm -hmm. and you clinically as a medical provider are screening them. What is your screening test? What what are you getting right out of the gate? Right out of the gate. We're, we're checking TSH, T4 and T3. Correct. So we're checking not only the inactive, but the definitely the active, which is the T3. And that's what we, that's what we aim to optimize. That's right. Is that level. Because we want that level that is active at the, the periphery in the tissues, which is doing all the work mm-hmm. and alleviating the symptoms, to be optimal. Yes. Not normal. Oh, another one of our themes that shows up <laughs> all the time, normal versus optimal. Right. We have no interest in being normal. The normal pre- and postmenopausal woman feels terrible. Right. I have no interest in being normal mm-hmm. or average or common, and I don't know any... None of our patients and, and none of our listeners are really interested in being average or common. Right. We're, we're looking for our best life and we're looking to feel the best that we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've already talked about the synthetic version of T4 called levothyroxine or Synthroid. What are some of the, the other options? As far as? Treating. 
low thyroid or subclinical thyroid, hypothyroid. Other than synthetic? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so we use the bioidentical hormones mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's several different versions of them, um, but they're um, most like uh, or identical to the um, natural thyroid that your, that your body makes, mm-hmm. um, which is ideal in this situation because, again, it's optimizing the the um, active thyroid and alleviating right. a lot of those symptoms, if not all, um, pretty quickly. Yeah. So if a woman is exhibiting hypothyroid symptoms um, and they already have a normal range T4 and TSH, giving them more T4 isn't going to help. This right. is why these bioidenticals work mm-hmm. so good, like Armor Thyroid or Nature Thyroid, or there's a couple other formulations. But these are compounded in a compounding pharmacy using bioidentical, the exact molecule that we are underproducing, not only the exact molecule, but in the exact ratios, right. which is something a lot of people don't understand. Mm-hmm. So we're not just giving some, you know, out of nowhere ratios that we're trying to the best that we possibly can not only give you the exact molecule, but in the exact ratios that you should be producing naturally, but are not. Right. And so the, the, I, I think we might have a handful of women and one man that I can think of that are on Synthroid mm-hmm. um, in an environment where we literally have hundreds of women and men who we have put on an armor or a nature thyroid uh, either out of the gate or move them off of Synthroid. Right. There are a couple of people who, for whatever reason, feel better on the Synthroid. Good, fine. I mean, and their levels are good and they feel good. We, we care about symptoms and their right. symptoms go away better with the Synthroid. So this isn't to completely poo-poo Synthroid in that it's terrible. And it's just for most women, mm-hmm. I find clinically it's... it We... En- if a woman is on thyro- Synthroid in our practice, it's because the other ones didn't work. Right. But we're, we're not just staying on Synthroid. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I hope this kind of helps. Um, and I think it's really important to start this, that how could you have normal numbers and still actually have a suboptimal thyroid? It's because you're being told you're normal because they're looking at the wrong thing. Right. And they're assuming... Yes. That they're assuming a lot. If you do need thyroid, you're put on the synthetic and it's T4 it'll and over. it'll just switch over. Yeah, it'll just convert. Yeah. Um, and that's but, not the case with everybody. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's absolutely true. So let's kind of walk through some of the benefits of an optimal thyroid in a woman. What's the first one that comes to mind for you? Um, definitely regulation of temperature. Right. Um, I know for me personally, when I started taking armor, uh, almost right away, noticed that I wasn't as cold. Wasn't cold all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know, my husband would comment quite frequently that I'd need to wear a jacket or um, he'd say, don't forget your jacket. You know, when we would go outside, um, even in the spring, when it was quite warm in Nashville, I'd be like cold all the time. Um, but that went away pretty quickly, and that was yeah. wonderful. I always joke around because I still work in the ER some. Yeah, that we should have some thyroid in the back right. <laughs> for all of the nurses that walk through. I mean, it's it's cool mm-hmm. in there, but we keep it cool on purpose. Mm-hmm. But the need to have a zipped up parka, right, in a, 
a 70, 68 to 70 degree room doesn't make sense. Right. Uh, and I always joke with my nurses like, hey, you need to get that thyroid checked. Yeah. Because you shouldn't be cold. It's yeah. not cold. Right. Um, so, yeah, thermoregulation is, is a big, big issue for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I find a lot of women recognize, oh, that's why I'm cold all the time. Right. <laughs> um, what's another one? Uh, definitely <coughs> um, helps to stabilize your mood, enhance your mood. Um, you know, if, if you're feeling kind of like you have these blues or depression symptoms where you just kind of can't, you know, uh, you're, you're not feeling as happy as you used to. Um, and uh, most commonly fatigue. Um, yeah. I think that's probably mood and fatigue are the two top symptoms mm-hmm. that we hear most about. You know, I just, you know, I'm active and I... I work out, but I don't have the energy to do it. I force myself or, you know, I have three little kids running around and I need to have a lot of energy for them. Um, but I just don't feel the maximal energy level that I want to. That's the word Yeah, for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when we do deep literature studies, obviously depression mm-hmm. is something that comes up. Um, uh, a, a depressed mood. So you, you might have overt depression. You might not have full depression, but just kind of blue, mm-hmm. um, chronically operating at about like 70, 80% of yourself. Mm-hmm. Not enough to be problematic, but certainly not optimal. Yeah. We, we see all that. But for me, clinically, it all comes down in the fatigue for sure. Yeah. Like I, there are very few women who I would imagine if you lined up a thousand women and you, you said, who here feels fatigue most of the time? I mean, there might be 10 or 20 women that don't raise their hand. Right. It's, it's that common. So for me, thyroid, along with temperature, energy. Yes. A- energy seems to be the thing. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know how to measure it. I can't plug someone in and, and ch- check their energy levels. Mm-hmm. A low energy level at baseline, I feel, predisposes women to being a little flat, being yeah. a little temperamental, potentially even identifying with some mild or moderate depressive type symptoms. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have energy, it's hard to plow through life. Yeah. So for me, it's an energy thing that I see. Mm-hmm. And again, I can't measure energy. So a lot of our clinical management, I know for both you and I, is how do you feel? Right. I feel a real uptick in my energy. Great. Yeah. We're on the right track then. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So energy is a big one. What's, what's, what, are some of the, what are some of the benefits of, us, of an optimal thyroid that most people probably don't even know about or are overlooking? Well, what's the big one? One of the big ones, especially for women, is uh, heart disease. Tell me more. Uh, well, they actually did a study called the Rotterdam study. Um, and this study showed... Uh, interestingly enough, that subclinical women that have subclinical hypothyroidism, which is what we were talking which is about, what we're talking about we're normal not, levels, mm-hmm. but still exhibiting symptoms of low thyroid, right? Have uh, twice the risk of developing hardening, hardening of the arteries and heart attacks and stroke. Whoa, like 
Right. So a doubling of your your cardiovascular risk, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, is the number one killer of human beings on the planet. Right. That's pretty significant. It's very significant. While we're talking about some, what some people in my circle as physicians might say, oh, that's fluffy, heady, that's not real science. Like, Mm -hmm. is there really benefit? Well, not only does it make people feel good and increase their mood, productivity, prevents a doubling of a cardiovascular risk profile. Right. I I mean, if that doesn't get your attention, I don't know what does. Right. Um, But as we know, telling somebody that you'll have a doubling of your risk of heart attack or stroke doesn't prevent people from doing other behaviors that put them at risk. Mm -hmm. But if you can start with, oh, yeah, and it'll make you feel good, really, like day one. Right. And it reduces your risk. This mm-hmm. is a top. This is why this is such a big, big topic mm-hmm. because women feel terrible across the board. Yeah, with few exceptions, and a lot of those women are walking around with subclinical hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. They're not broken. They're not damaged. They're not coming up on basic screenings as being a problem. Mm-hmm. They c- and if you complain long enough, you get put on Prozac. Right, which. Because they start believing, I guess I am depressed. Well, and... I don't feel good. I don't have well, energy. Yeah. Maybe it is depression. And they're made to believe it's all in your head. So let's start here. You know, let's mm-hmm. fix your depression with an SSRI that has terrible side effects. Listen, depression is real. It is real. But not everybody has depression for the same reasons. Right. You might feel depressed eventually if you are walking around underperforming, under-energized. Mm-hmm bluesy mood hard to keep your weight right Mm -hmm. um and you you keep getting told (laughs) it's not this it's not that and a lot of very intelligent free-thinking women are walking around like i don't know what the heck's wrong with me yeah you know um so staying on track here the the other um the other not so obvious for me until now that it is obvious, is about hair. Yeah. What what is interesting to me is the most common reason for hair loss in both men and women is androgen-sensitive hair loss. Mm -hmm. In other words, androgens, namely testosterone, in both men and women, the metabolic byproduct of testosterone, when it gets broken down, there's a byproduct that is toxic to hair follicles. Mm Mm-hmm. In some people who have that disposition, lots more men do than women. Right. But some women have this. It's often thought that women who are over 50, menopausal women, um, it is very common for women as they get beyond 50 to start having a noticeably thinning of their hair mm-hmm. and it to get chalked up to, oh, it's just the androgen sensitive uh, uh, hair loss. Yeah. Here's the problem. What don't... 50-year-old menopausal women have? Androgens. Yeah. They don't have ovaries that ovaries. make any <laughs> right. hormones. Yeah. They're hormonally barren. Right. So they're not making estrogen, progesterone, or testosterone. Mm-hmm. So that theory's out the window. What's, ca- what's causing that hair loss? Well, hard to say for sure. But we have good evidence, and both clinical and uh, data-wise, that an optimal thyroid helps to 
restore and improve the quality of hair, Mm -hmm. which is fascinating to me. On a a personal level, my hair was very thin. mm -hmm. Um, You know, it still is, but uh, five years ago, you know, when I moved to Nashville. Yes. And uh, met Dr. Wenzel. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I remember seeing, I'm yeah. like, gosh, why is her hair so thin? It was thin? a lot shorter, but it was thinner. And even my stylist, you know, here in town would be like, gosh, you know, uh, let's try biotin. Let's try right. a special um, Fancy shampoo, cream, shampoo, you yeah. know, um, to try to th- to try to uh, thicken your hair. Because she, every time I went in to get my hair done, she would notice that it was thinning and thinning, thinning, thinning. And then here comes Armour Thyroid and... My hair is thicker than it's ever been, which is, you know, a confidence booster. Um, and I'm not menopausal yet, but, um, you know, it, it was an issue for me. It's, it's, uh, it's a stretch to say it would prevent hair loss in, in, in a postmenopausal woman, but we certainly clinically see an improvement of hair mm-hmm. uh, growth and fullness um, at any age. Right. Um, so hair is another great benefit. Um, and we've kind of alluded to the next one, which is weight. Yeah. You know, and again, tying in, in the thermo temperature regulatory, I talk about thyroid being kind of like your thermostat. Mm -hmm. It just kind of sets the temperature of your metabolic tone, Mm -hmm. how hot you burn. Part of that is what you feel and experience in the environment and interpreting the temperature, but also just your metabolic rate, your basal mm-hmm. metabolic rate. How much energy are you consuming with your heart beating, breathing? Um, and um, there are a number of other benefits of an optimal thyroid like uh, cholesterol and some other things that we won't mm-hmm. go into today just because we're trying to move through this pretty quickly. But there really are we could spend hours talking about the mm-hmm. benefits of it, and um, but, but I think these are the big things. But I think, you know, when it comes to weight, you, you make a great analogy, um, and I, I hope that we have time that you can touch on it here. People that carry excess body weight don't always convert T4 to T3. Is that right? Yeah. Well, and this is this is this along with thyroid's impact on cholesterol Mm -hmm. uh, manufacturing in the liver are very advanced biochemical concepts that um, are not understood by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And and, and frankly, I I didn't understand this until I really started looking into this and I had some aha moments. Mm -hmm. Um, But many, many people feel like they are heavy or struggling with weight because they have a low thyroid. When in our pra- our uh, clinical practice, what we're seeing is that a lot of people have a suboptimal thyroid because they're heavy. Uh-huh. And what that means is because they have excess body fat, they're this excess body fat, specifically visceral fat, mm-hmm. fat around visceral organs, it decreases the body's efficiency of converting T4, the inactive thyroid, into T3, the active. And what happens is as we begin to eliminate visceral fat, your conversion of T4 to T3 begins to increase efficiency. Yeah. And um, for some women, it's a little chicken or the egg. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, it's hard to flesh out exactly what happened first. But the punchline is 
if you're struggling with belly fat and you have a free T3 anywhere but the upper limits of cort- uh, 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 upper limits of normal, that upper quartile of normal, you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm-hmm. You really would benefit from moving from the lower quartile of normal into the upper quartile of normal with your levels of T3 that will help you burn that excess fat, which will help you convert more T4 to T3 naturally anyway. Yeah. Um, and I've touched on it, but just really quickly, it turns out that thyroid hormone, your liver has thyroid receptors on it, mm-hmm. which I was blown away when I found out this. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. Well, what does it do? Well, one of the things it does is thyroid has a inhibitory, remember brakes and gas pedals, mm-hmm. kind of a braking on the rate-limiting enzyme of cholesterol called HMG-CoA reductase. It's, it's a fancy big word. This is the enzyme that's blocked by drugs like Lipitor. Mm-hmm. The whole statin class right. inhibits this enzyme. This enzyme happens to be under the influence of thyroid hormone. Wow. Right? So when thyroid is optimal, at an optimal level, the T3, it has a net suppressive effect on it tones down that HMG-CoA reductase mm. saying stop producing so much cholesterol. It is not uncommon for me to identify an overly healthy person who inexplicably has uh, cholesterol levels that are out of range. Mm-hmm. And when we dig deep, their free T3 is like barely normal. Wow. And by moving their free T3 up into that upper limits of normal, all of a sudden, with no other changes we start to see a downward trend in their cholesterol because you get cholesterol from your liver and from what you eat, but disproportionately from the liver. Right. Uh, very few people are eating their way into Lipitor. Right. M- most, uh, because they're eating bacon. Yeah. Most people are producing an excessive amount of cholesterol from their liver because of other stimulatory effects. One of them being not enough thyroid, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. That is fascinating. So... Let's wrap this up with some action steps. Mm-hmm. I, I think that if anybody's listening to this still, uh, however many minutes we've been going here, this is somebody who's identifying with this topic. Yeah. What? First of all, I think we're bringing a message of hope, right? Yeah, for sure. What would you tell a woman that you met in passing if you're having this very conversation with her about, well, what do I do? Yeah. What? What are the things that you would say, all right, well, here's what you need to do. Yeah. Well, I think the first one most definitely is to find a provider that's willing to listen. Amen. You know, um, don't be at the end of your rope (laughs) and, uh, you know, find somebody that will, number one, check the right lab levels, um, but also not just treat those lab levels exclusively, but treat how you feel. Yes. How you feel. That is the number one. You know, we use labs and how you feel together. Yep. More how you feel. <laughs> I couldn't agree no, uh, more with beginning the journey with someone you're aligned with. Yeah. Somebody who your value systems, your goals, mm-hmm. who's willing to give you a platform. Even if they don't fully understand what you're about to ask them to do, but they're open to hearing you because it's how you feel. Yeah. 
I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing more frustrating to, than to know or understand truth and then to go to try to deploy it and you get shut down. Yeah. Um, so an, an alignment with a provider who's willing to have this conversation with you couldn't agree more. That's the first step. Yep. That, then what would you tell her? Um, the second thing is get your levels checked. What um, level specifically do they specifically need? Specifically TSH. This is where they take notes. This right? is where you take notes. We'll put it <laughs> in the a, show notes. Get a piece of paper and a pen. Uh, TSH, <laughs> T4, free, excuse me, free T4 mm-hmm. and free T3. And do these need to be fasting? Uh, no. No, that's right. No. So that's, that's, that's good to know. Like you could get these any time. You don't have to be like, oh, well, I'm not fasting. So there doesn't need to be any delay. You could do this today. Correct. As long as somebody will draw your blood. Right. <laughs> Um, and then what do you do with this information? What, what, what would they do after they have these labs? Drawn? Um, you know, have a conversation with your provider about the results. Um, look, dig into the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I love your analogy that subclinical hypothyroidism is, needs to be hunted for in women. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Gosh. Because uh, it's is. not always um, evident. Right, off, right out of the gate. That's funny that you bring that up. That is something that I mentioned to people, men and women, um, with the way that we get to practice medicine. Mm-hmm. W- we get to hunt. You hunt for a lot of things. We you hunt. hunt for diabetes. I hunt for things that matter. You do, yeah. And, and in, a, in an environment where I have to see 40 people a day, there's no room. There's no margin for hunting. No. You're putting out fires. Yeah. And so, again, I don't judge or get angry at physicians who are just looking at TSH, they're probably in a practice environment where mm-hmm. they have to see 46 patients a day. Right. And unless somebody's burning down with their thyroid, that's just not a topic. And, and even if it was, look at how long we've talked about. And we're just mm-hmm. basically, I mean, I, I'm intentionally curbing my rants mm-hmm. because this is such a deep, t- there's no ab- availability for these conversations in right. a model where you have to see so much volume. Mm-hmm. So alignment with somebody who ideally understands this already, where you don't have to educate your provider, right. that would be ideal. Yeah. Um, but the good news is those providers exist. And I'm finding, as I know you are, more and more of them are starting to see the light, so to speak. Yeah. And that's exciting for me because mm-hmm. it means less people will be suffering. Right. Um, so amazing. Uh, do you have a target range for... Um, we've been focusing a lot on T3 and and somebody might be thinking, well, is there a a magic number Mm -hmm. that, that, that somebody could hang on to Mm -hmm. as a, as what, what is that? Well, everybody's different, which is the beauty of what we do. I love how we personalize everything and individualize Mm -hmm. it, but, uh, women usually feel better, uh, with a free T3 between four and 4.4. Yep. Is really the, the range that we uh, aim for. And by the way, the upper limits of normal on most all lab profiles is 4.4. Right. So really getting into that as high as you can go mm-hmm. without being technically overthyroided. Right. That's not a word. <laughs> Becoming hypo, hyperthyroid. Right. Um, amazing. Well, I, I really hope that this um, episode, um, again, if you're listening, I hope it resonates with you. I hope it gives you a little glimmer of hope. I know that a lot of women going down this journey have just been beat up. They're exhausted. Mm -hmm. Um, The message is that if you identify with these symptoms, you need to be certain that your levels don't have some room to move up. Right. And you need to get yourself aligned with a provider that is willing to have this conversation with you. So any famous last words, Jen? Uh, 
not really. (laughs) (laughs) You put me on the spot there. Sorry. I know. I know. (laughs) Well, awesome. Well, take care, guys, and we'll talk to you uh, again real soon. I want to thank you so much for your attention. Listen, I don't take it for granted. It means the absolute world to me. You can find out more about today's episode at brentwoodmd.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find the show notes, all the related links to this episode, and tons of other resources. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And if you've already subscribed, then it would mean so much to me if you left a review. If you think we'd be a good fit to work together, or you would just simply like to know more about the concierge services that I provide my private clients, email us at membership at brentwoodmd.com. And now for the obligatory disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or the giving of medical advice as no doctor-patient relationship has been formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should seek the advice of their own medical professional providers.